Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others from the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. I've supported lots of neurodivergent folks at medical appointments and have seen how stressful even doctors who have education on supporting neurodiverse people, how stressful those appointments can be. And in many cases with doctors who are less educated in supporting neurodiverse patients, just plain how unhelpful some of those appointments are. On this episode of Autism Stories, Dr. Laura Weldon joins us to discuss the trauma-informed care she provides to neurodivergent clients and people living with chronic illness and things that can be done to make medical appointments more successful. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Doug. Happy to be here. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autism community begin? So I am a late diagnosed autistic person. I was, I first had a counselor suggest it when I was about 24 years old, but I didn't pursue a diagnosis until I went into burnout in medical school and I was really looking for answers about what was happening to me. So I ended up getting a diagnosis four years ago, 2017, 28 years old. And um, that really spurred me into researching burnout as a medical condition and, you know, how do we prevent this and treat this state? Because, you know, I didn't spend my whole life in it and I hope not to again. So you earned your doctorate in naturopathic medicine. For those that are not familiar with naturopathic medicine, can you explain what exactly this form of medicine is? Of course. It's a great question. So naturopathic physicians are licensed in, I believe it's 22 states now. And in those states, we're full primary care doctors with prescribing rights, minor surgery, you know, pap smears, every, all the normal things people go to see a doctor for. Um, we're just, we're a different branch of medicine. So you can think of it kind of like osteopathic doctors, DOs, are distinct from medical doctors, MDs, even though if you go into a primary care setting, they may seem indistinguishable. So the differences really come down to the underlying philosophy and some of the other tools and modalities that we use. So in addition to the more, um, you know, mainstream pharmaceuticals and that sort of thing, we also have a lot of training in herbal medicine, nutrition, body work, and the safe use of dietary supplements. So we, um, we will use things like surgery and pharmaceuticals when they are indicated, but we spend a lot of time talking about nutrition and movement and sleep quality and sort of spending time in the lower on the therapeutic order, as people call it. You know, my father's a doctor, um, and so I've never really had a great interest in medicine just because I'm not doing what he's doing. Um, so, but I'm curious, where does your interest in uh, medicine uh, come from? Well, 10 years ago, in undergrad studying English lit, if you told me I'd be a physician today, I would have been very confused. Um, but 
it actually makes sense to me now if I think about it as, you know, my quote, special interest really being people and understanding people. So it started with literature and uh, reading about people's experiences of the world and emotions and connections. And then it kind of uh, snowballed from there um, into more of an interest in what's happening in the body and the mind. The medical field doesn't uh, seem to understand the needs of disabled and chronically ill people, certainly at times. What's your message to them in terms of better supporting neurodivergent people to get their medical needs met and improve the quality of their lives? I think the medical community needs to get a lot better at sorting difference from distress and disorder. And we have to stop pathologizing difference. So um, I actually listened to some of your last episode with Evelyn Wilson talking about play. And I loved that because I use that in my uh, presentation to other physicians all the time. There are no wrong ways to play. Uh, and I'll talk about stimming with physicians. You know, there, if someone is stimming by hand flapping or shaking, they're not causing any harm to themselves or to someone else. They right. are expressing or regulating. Like, this is a difference we should be accepting. If someone is stimming by headbanging, that's a sign of distress. That's a sign of probably either pain or anxiety. There's something going on there that we need to figure out and help that person in. Now, you uh, provide telehealth services to neurodivergent and chronically ill patients across the United States. What, what do you see um, as the benefits to your clients in using these services in which they can access care without leaving their home? Because things like transportation and sensory needs are certainly very real. Absolutely. This is one, of, one area where the pandemic has really improved accessibility. It's so much easier to get all kinds of physicians appointments from home now than it used to be. Some of the things you just mentioned, you know, if someone is truly in a state of burnout, having to make a phone call to make an appointment, to drive or sit on the bus, to wait in the loud, noisy waiting room, like all of those things are going to take a real toll that um, I find it's a lot easier to really get to the heart of what's going on and connect with people when they're in the comfort of their own home space. Waiting rooms, that's a whole, that we can do a whole podcast just on waiting rooms. Aren't they the worst? There's actually research about how hard they are for autistic people. I, I don't understand why TVs have to be in every waiting room and they have to be on. You know, it, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> all learn to just uh, sit and be with ourselves for a few minutes a day. <laughs> yeah. So the, the mission of your services, Weldon Wellness, is to provide culturally, culturally competent trauma-informed care to neurodivergent clients and people living with chronic illness. What are some of the principles that are at the core of the work you do with your patients? chose the name Weldon Wellness, you know, Weldon's my last name, um, and, you know, the alliteration was fun, but the deeper meaning there is that I think there's a lot of problems in the wellness industry, and that includes naturopathic medicine, and how we're defining what it means to be well, and sort of telling people that it has to look a certain way, and there's only one way to get there, and I just don't think that that's real, so I start with people by asking, you know, what would need to change for you to be able to honestly answer the question, how are you, with I'm well? And that answer is going to be different for everyone. Some people it's going to be physical, it might be uh, mental health, or, you know, it's an infinite list of possibilities there. And so it's, I think it's essential to take in an individual's context 
where they find meaning and joy, their cultural foods, their spirituality, and really making uh, healthcare individualized. I think that's such an, an important question. How are you and how often we lie w- with that answer? Sometimes it's easier. Yeah. Have there been any times when you've asked that question to your patients um, and surprised by the answers that they give to to be able to say I'm well? You know, there are more themes there than I perhaps would have guessed. You know, and working with the you know people who are trying to understand their uh, their minds and their way of interacting with the world. So I get a lot of answers about self acceptance. That, you know, I think that I'd be able to answer that if I just was okay with who I am. If our listeners are interested uh, in your important services, how can they go about learning more about what you do or schedule an appointment? So they can find me on my website. It's under construction, so right now there's just a little bio, but you can schedule directly from there. There's no need to make a phone call. Uh, And I'm more active on Instagram. You can find me at neurodivergent.naturopath on Instagram. I I do some writing and photography there. Um, But essentially what I do is I I help people understand their minds and nervous systems so that we can sort um, the parts of ourselves we want to embrace and accept from the things that we would like to shift to have some more ease and joy in our lives. So in preparing to talk with you, I read that you've done research on something that many of our listeners can relate to, and that's autistic burnout. Can you talk a little bit about that research? Absolutely. So Aspire, which is a research group and a journal, Autism and Adulthood, based in Portland, they published a landmark study just this last year that defined autistic burnout as a state that is distinct from other types of burnout and from depression. So that was incredibly important. And my research is taking that to the next step, which is that I actually think that this is a medical condition that autistic people are susceptible to, that we can prevent this, we can treat this, um, and that it's not strictly a mental health condition. You know, depression can co-occur and it increases risk for suicidal ideation I think eightfold, which is speaks to the importance of really the medical community having more awareness about this issue. But my research kind of comes down to the idea that autism is an inherently neutral difference in how the brain processes information and the nervous system responds to the environment, including social environment, and that those neutral differences can increase susceptibility to neuroinflammation in overstimulating high-stress environments over time. So are you looking at this point for more people to participate in the research? So right now, this is just a concept study. So I'm basically, you know, weaving my way through PubMed and all the research that's already been done and reading it with this lens in order to kind of offer it back to the scientific community. Like, hi, there is enough here. You're just, we have to ask a different question um, so that hopefully we can actually have more studies going forward. Mm-hmm. And if, if someone is experiencing burnout, what would be some helpful things that that person can do? Rest, listening to your body. It's, I think um, it's important to seek help, particularly if you also are depressed or if you're having insomnia, because sleep is one of the absolute best things we can do for ourselves, both to prevent and to get out of this state. There are a lot of you know, nerving herbs and supplements that can help, but again, that's pretty individualized. So I think the only other really across-the-board, um, very safe thing that I find useful is uh, craniosacral therapy. 
it's a very gentle therapy that helps uh, regulate the nervous system and I think works similarly to sleep. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because because some people might not understand what craniosacral therapy is. Absolutely. So the words uh, come from cranium, which are the skull bones, and sacrum, which is the bone in your lower back and your pelvis. And basically, it's it's like a massage for your nervous system. It doesn't look like much. People lay on the table and essentially just hold your head. But it's working with the, um, the glymphatic system, with the cerebral spinal fluid that our brain floats in and that goes through our spinal cord. And it's helping it kind of flow more smoothly, which is the same thing that happens when we're in REM when we sleep. Rest is definitely an important part of kind of helping with burnout. When you talk with your patients about that, um, is do you get some like pushback to doing that? There's a lot of reasons why someone would have a hard time resting, um, which is, you know, again, why someone's context is so important. If you're having a hard time resting because you have a family to take care of and work you have to go to to put food on the table, then I'm not going to say, oh, you have to just abandon all of those things and stay in bed you know, for 12 hours. You have to work with what your life really is. Um, but often the pushback is more along the lines of um, sort of this capitalist productivity drive, this sense of like, I'm lazy if I'm not doing all the time. And so I, I, I have a background in mental health as well, and we spend some time sort of breaking that down and seeing where that feeling comes from and how we can uh, push back against it a little bit to get the rest that we need and deserve. Something that, you know, happens at probably every doctor appointment <laughs> that people go to is they are asked, you know, what's your paid scale from 1 to 10? And I know so many autistic folks get frustrated with that question. So I guess my question to you is, what does, why are the doctors asking that question? And maybe what advice do you have to people in answering that question? So a doctor is asking that question to try to take a subjective experience, which is pain, and make it objectively quantifiable. So they can compare it to other people's answers and to your answers on different dates so they can see if the treatment is working or if you're getting worse, etc. The problem is that they don't explain this very well. And, this, and if you have a more literal uh, interpretation, then it's um, you're not going to give the answer that actually gets you the care you need. So if a doctor says, you know, 10 is the worst pain you can imagine, you might be able to imagine you know, a limb falling off, and you're like, oh, well, I'm only a <laughs> right. you know, I'm, everything's attached. Um, so I edit that, you know, no matter what language the doctor used, 10 is absolutely incapacitating pain. 10 is that all I can think about and experience is the pain. And zero is no pain. So I've had a lot of patients who will say, like, oh, well, if zero is my baseline, I'm in pain every day, so I say a two. No, zero is nothing. So if you're experiencing discomfort, you're at least at a three to a five. Um, and it'll, it, they will choose different treatments based on your answers and that kind of thing. And it's always okay to ask the doctor um, why they're asking you something. And should, should you also be asking the doctor to clarify what each of these numbers means to them? You could, you could ask for a visual. That's probably, uh, you know, most doctors, uh, I mean, a good doctor will, would be happy to sit and explain that, but a lot of doctors 
purchasing, a lot of patients in an hour may not have time, but most of them will have a visual scale that they can pull up for you. That'll either have sort of like emojis with different facial expressions, or I've seen one with like different famous arts and 10 is like the scream. Um, so there are different ways to conceptualize it and it's great to ask for a different tool that makes it easier for you to answer. Well, Laura, I, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, Thanks. Thanks so much for the conversation. I know a lot of people out there really struggle with medical care, and this is really, we need a lot more support in this area. Thank you very much. I just realized that when I was saying that things are on my website, that I didn't actually say what my website was. So that's wellandwellness.com. <laughs> and we'll make sure to include that in the, uh, in the notes for this episode. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to Dr. Weldon for the conversation. To learn more about Dr. Weldon, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. You can also find a link to book a free call to learn how Autism Personal Coach can help you to reduce your daily overwhelm and get the things you need and want in your life. So book a call with me today. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about disability and the church. Talk to you then.